And welcome to the Family That Podcast Together, <sighs> Reads Together Part, whatever, <laughs> chapters 12, 13, and 14 of Gentle and Lowly. So enthusiastic. Um, being <laughs> you recorded. enthusiasm, you should introduce yourself. Yeah, uh, being recorded from a different place than usual. Nope. Um, yeah. You're going to expand on that? <laughs> oh, uh, if you listen to the Moves Together podcast, um, we are, mom and dad are currently in the process of moving, so we are in the upstairs of our grandparents' house. We're not in the process of moving. They have no, moved. I guess they are, they are completely moved. They're here. in the process of selling. Yeah. So if you want to buy a house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you would like to live in the Heinz family, <laughs> the, Clark Street home. The birthplace of the podcast. <laughs> One day they'll put a plaque out front. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I think most of us read this section in the last 12 hours. Nope. Um, Most. 75% of us. Yep. <laughs> Alex and I read these uh, about an hour ago. Yeah. I read 12 <laughs> this morning. But yep. Yep. Nope. I'm a good student. 75%. Dad is a good student. It's because we're all over it. I'm just a procrastinator by heart, so, you know. Okay. So. Chapter 12 has been long enough for me that it's going to be like reading it the first time again, to be honest. <laughs> I think I read it the day after we did our last... Oh, yeah. Last uh, of the book. I did think... So, 12 is a tender friend. It talks about Jesus in context of a friend. He opens the chapter talking about how just the idea of friendship with humans, like we've kind of lost the richness of what that has been before and I thought that was an interesting way to start like the even the way we just think about what friend really means has changed as opposed to you know the puritans that he keeps quoting what they would understand yeah 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 <laughs> what do you mean exactly well like he talks at the beginning he says we have lamented lamentably impoverished the category even of friendship between humans perhaps especially among men um so he says his suggestion is that the idea of male friendship has become diluted when in a in colonial america it would have been a, a richer relationship um and now we throw around the term bromance a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> well uh back then they they did life together, truly. Like, you know, they... Survived. Yeah, <laughs> they farmed. They built homes together. You know, um, barn raising mm -hmm. <laughs> was a real legit thing. So you you did everything together. You helped each other. So you spent a lot of time together. I mm -hmm. think you're talking about different cultures within the United States. Mm -hmm. I think country living is you know it's a different pace but one dudes we don't sit around and talk about our feelings but we can spend all day doing stuff together and 
things will come up, but it's like it's not the focus of it. You're just hanging out and, and doing stuff, and you do share those things. I mean, I've got friends like that that I hang out with. And, yeah, i got a cat in my lap right now that's really got me distracted, too. She is, I'm her only friend, and she's <laughs> demanding of my attention right now. But, um, but I mean, I've got those. I, I, I think through a lot of guys that, or some guys that they have skills and trades and things that we share with each other. And I've had some, I've got some that we talk about, we do talk about issues of life. And, but, so I don't know. But I think, you know, again, we're a slower pace. It, big cities, I don't even know if it's just a guy thing. Like, there's just people are in a hurry and not don't really have time for any kind of relationship when you throw competitive males in the middle of it and they're not going to allow somebody to take away from what they're trying to achieve but but I don't know I think there are friendships out there still yeah. mm -hmm. I don't know we it's an interesting word I think to like to put in conjunction with Jesus just because friend has so many levels which he talked about that like within the spectrum of what a friend is there's acquaintances and co-workers and then actual friends that you do spend a quantity of time with and trust with certain information so it's it's hard to nail down what that really means I guess and he goes he he circles down to Christ being a friend of sinners mm -hmm. more than anything. But I don't know. I didn't struggle with this chapter at all. It's pretty sure it's it was. Basic. It really was. Like I didn't have anything that I wrestled well, with. Well, I yeah. I told Alex when I started it. I felt early on like he was really trying hard to be wordy. <laughs> he's he's going to make it a thousand word read. Yeah. Well, it it felt like someone like. Or like when you're writing a paper and you pull out the thesaurus to make yourself have bigger words than you would naturally use. Because in most of this book, I think he's done a good job of sounding really casual. Conversational. Yeah. But in, in this one, I don't think he did that as much. Like using the word lodestar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like what? Why was that the word you chose? Why not? Why not? If, if you, you can. Got it. If <laughs> yeah. it is in your arsenal. Yeah. So on 115, he, and, he, and he italicized, so it's a, a big deal. But in Jesus Christ, we are given a friend who will always enjoy rather than refuse our presence. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's good to hear. Uh, back to the thing of he, that's who he is. He can't help it. He, he just reaches out to us. I mean, that's been said time and time and time and time again in the book. But mm -hmm. Yeah, and it says um, he enjoys spending time with them, but it also means that they feel welcome. You know, we feel welcome and comfortable. And then it talks about how the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him and couldn't spend enough time with him. So, you know, that's just saying he's a friend to, to everyone, mm -hmm. not just Christians. You know, if you call to him, he he's going to be there. I think the way I think about it is he would fit in this group. 
like he could sit sit in the podcast mm-hmm. and and be part of it. Yeah, you know, he he is a man, as a man, not just as you know, Jesus. Mm-hmm. He but, would totally let me pick his brain. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's all in the Bible. <laughs> there are questions. Are there questions? There are questions Mom has. Yeah. There are always questions Mom has. I did like, it was right above where you were looking, Mom, on 114. Um, he says, like, it's consistently his enemies or antagonists who, who see who he is, and that's who prescribed him as a friend of sinners. It wasn't his disciples who called him that. It was... Um, those who were against him and they used it as an insult but it, it was the truth like that's yeah. who he is and it says that jesus is a friend to sinners is only contemptible to those who feel themselves not to be in that category so if you think sinner is a an insult or a dig at someone then you're not going to see it as a positive that he's friends with them you're going to see it as a negative but if you see yourself in that category like that how comforting that is I did there was a part on 118 where he he used companion he he used companion as like a um, synonym for friend and I drew a TARDIS next to it Mm -hmm. because companion is what the doctor has in Doctor Who I thought that was which companion is someone who goes with you on a journey that's all I can think about anytime I hear that word (laughs) Samwise Gamgee. Mm-hmm. He's a companion. He's a companion. I guess the whole fellowship would be to some degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he was the true companion. He was the real yeah. one. Yeah. I have to go alone. <laughs> I know. And I'm going with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best character in that whole story. <laughs> Rudy. Rudy. <laughs> He's also Goonies Never Die. Well. He did um, make the point that we can't, like, there's more to Christ than just friend. He did put that in there because he's like, 119, to be sure, Christ is indeed our ruler, our authority, the one to whom all allegiance and obedience are reverently due, but he also befriends us. So there are multiple layers to who Christ is, not just friend. Yep. I don't think we got a lot to say about this chapter. No. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Yeah. But 13 brings up the spirit, which yeah. is what you brought up. Was that last yeah, time? I was, it was last time. Yeah. Because <laughs> I forgot the context of what we were t- even talking about then. But, uh, oh, it was the, uh, the advocate and the. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're describing the job of the spirit. And yeah. now he comes in and talks about that very thing. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah i i mean it's it's a good conversation to get into because i yeah and, and again I, I don't want to be redundant but it was like we don't personify the spirit like we do god and jesus but right but it just even when you talk about like on it, the start of that chapter where he talks about everything that the the spirit does describes that companionship that they talk about with with jesus Mm -hmm. i mean i think about the disciples 
you know, the disciples, the cool thing they had was Jesus literally just walking there with them every day. They're hanging out and just going through their day. Mm-hmm. And you get to see how he handles situations on the fly. You get to see how he starts his day, ends his day, and, and all the interactions. And, um, and the old John, uh, not John MacArthur, John Maxwell quote, more is caught than taught. You know, mm-hmm. like they they taught by just walking with him and hanging out with him. Um, and really the Holy Spirit comes along and embodies that, <clears throat> walks along with us in every situation. I was, I was listening to Keller and he was, he made the statement, he said, uh, he said, now I just want to say I'm not Pentecostal. And, <laughs> and what he means by that is, you know, of course the Pentecostals, it's all about the Spirit and and hearing, hearing the phrase, the Holy Spirit told me, is nothing unusual. Right. Like, okay, yeah, like the Spirit talked to me, mm-hmm. or whatever. I hear this, you know, that's just a part of it. And and I think there's that that within that that practice or that that idea ideology is that the Holy Spirit is just that companion that's there every day and walking through life not just alongside you but in you and knows your desires knows your struggles knows your temptations know your your goals and and all of these things and will will speak to you however that looks and sounds and but just does all the things that is in 121 you mm-hmm. know regenerates convicts empowers testifies leads you know all of those but yeah but then I think he gets into really where he he has a tempered approach to it but where the the Pentecostal faith falls for me is there's such an emphasis on that what he says in 122 on 122 is the spirit causes us to actually feel Christ's heart for us. Mm-hmm. Like there's such a, do you feel the spirit? You know, Oh, I can feel that they get a quiver in their voice and say, I feel the spirit. It's like, well, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like you're, you're excited right now and, and whatever, but what does that really mean? And, it would be all this thing about being spirit filled. I'm not getting into those weeds, but, but, you know, just this overflowing of of this the Holy Spirit, but then, no fruits of the Spirit from it. Um. Because everything was so feelings based, it was all about oh, the Spirit. Just makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. That's what the Spirit does. Makes me feel good. Makes me feel excited. Makes me feel closer to God. Makes me feel. And, but I think his definition is the Holy Spirit gives a tangible feeling when you think on Christ and when you think on the Scripture and when you think on God and when you, like there's this, I don't know, there's just something that this happens down in your soul that connects. Even what, because like I grew up 
in in a different time period of Bethel Tabernacle where the emphasis on the Spirit, I think, was different. Mm-hmm. Like, what is your experience with the Holy Spirit? Because you spent more time in Baptist churches than yeah. I did as a kid. So what, what comes to mind when you think about the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Not a lot? Not a lot, no. Because... Like you said, I didn't grow up in churches that talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and when we were at Bethel, I was too young to be paying attention to that stuff. Yeah. Well, even when I was young, I mean, I didn't pay attention to it because that's just what it was. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just what I was around. Yeah. yeah. When the Spirit showed up, showed things got up. crazy. Yeah, that's kind of how, <laughs> like, I've, I don't view any, like, technical side of it, any anything like that I just it's a accepted thing I guess yeah you know I think of the deacons at Bethel talking about the spirit is working in this place you know Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah it's with with our plethora of denominational backgrounds (laughs) you know of course at the at the core of growing up was very much Pentecostal. Um, but then moving into denominations that does not have that, that emphasis and, and sees the working of the Holy Spirit in a different way. Um, it was funny being in churches that one in particular, I, you know, one of the, a complaint one time was somebody said, I, I just don't feel the spirit. It's like, that's not on me it's on you (laughs) but um but really the critique was that i was very prepared when i stepped into the pulpit oh yeah you know it wasn't that so in the pentecostal church you didn't have to study Mm -hmm. like you i mean you do you study you show yourself approved there's a foundation of knowledge that's there but but really if you the book of acts and corinthians everything else is just like just supporting what those two said that's, that's all you really had to do if you mm-hmm. especially the book of acts if you book of acts you got that down you're good and not even the whole thing it the the working out of the holy spirit in daily life just isn't wasn't part of the conversation it was it was really about each from sunday to sunday how are we going to have a holy ghost party mm-hmm. and um but not a empowerment that caused us to be able to go out into the world and preach the gospel or how to go out and embody Christ's spirit in the world, you know, or the the fruits of the spirit. It was almost um, a lack of trust. And I, they would word it as, I don't, I don't know how to explain that exactly, but you know, you can't give somebody too much freedom oh, or they're going to sin. Yeah. But it really seemed more like a lack of trust in the spirit because that's what you have to believe is at work in other people. So you don't feel the burden that you got to be the spirit for them or, you know, be their conscious. Mm-hmm. The spirit is at work in people all the time, not just in the church, not just in a service, but he's your constant companion. So it's a low view of the spirit. 
Mm -hmm. I forgot who I heard first use that phrase. I feel like it was Matt Chandler was talking about that, but but it's a low view of the Holy Spirit. And or a boxed in view. You know, you put him in a box. He can the spirit only does this. The spirit only gives you the gift of tongues. Mm -hmm. You know, or whatever, but the spirit has a a more a larger Well, I, I, yes, there's so many layers. That yeah. is, we, uh, the group I'm in right now, we're reading through Romans and we just did seven. Um, and I, when I read the chapter, I also read Keller, <laughs> his commentary on Romans as I read each one. Um, and he, he talks about how God achieved the work of salvation through the Son, but then he achieves the work of sanctification through the Spirit. So, like, he saved us through Jesus, but he changes us through the Spirit. So it's like a continual thing of we are consistently becoming more Christ-like because the Spirit is making us that. The Spirit is giving us the fruits. It's not us that's doing it. It's the Spirit within us that's making it happen. Yes. Yes, it's not us. Mm-hmm. He's he, enabling. He's making us equipping. Gentle and lowly. Yeah, trying. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, that's you know the the big struggle that I had for a long time in ministry was I thought the idea was to create moral robots and and steer people to morality. That was the focus. Mm-hmm. is just make sure they don't do the bad things. Mm-hmm. And and back to the idea of the, the low view of the Holy Spirit is if I... Okay, so like somebody comes to the faith and it's like, okay, I need to get this person with another person, a, a another believer who will mentor them. Or who will walk out their faith with them, you know, an accountability group or a study group or just you know whatever. But I want them this person attached with somebody that can can help them in their life and they're growing in their faith. Okay, just think if that person, you look around your congregation, and it's like, hey, I got this guy. He's got long hair and a beard, wears sandals and a robe. Uh, you know. Got holes in his wrist. But, you know, so, but I think he'd be really good for them. Like, his, his name's Jesus, and I, you know, I want you to walk with him. Mm-hmm. And I, I trust him. I trust him to help you. You know, nobody would go, oh, yeah, he would, you know, you're going to have to look over Jesus' shoulder to make <laughs> sure this person is getting what they need and heading the direction they need to go. You do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have people along that will help in daily life also. People that, but in all reality, you are trusting the Spirit that comes and, and dwells in them to do what only the Spirit can do. And it removes it removes control from the church. I mean, we're all, uh, churches are all Catholic at the core. I mean, 
and when I say that, you know, of course, we, we, we would always do the, the Apostles' Creed, and it says the Holy Catholic Church, mm-hmm. Big C Church. Um, the Catholic Church is so structured, it has all authority. It, it, it's, it's the authority. That's why you still go to the priest, and that's why you still go to the, the church to, to essentially do sacrifices of penance. Mm-hmm. Um, when you put the trust in the Holy Spirit, they, people no longer need that governing body to say, here's the rules. I mean, how scary of an idea is that for a, a body? Mm-hmm. And and we evangelicals do the same thing. <laughs> Poor cat, she's struggling. Um, <laughs> but we we struggle with that because you know. And and Nathan talked about it this morning. You know, it was like they'll just go out and do whatever they want. Well, when you when you have that realization, talking about the spirit makes you have that feeling toward Jesus, makes you love Jesus more. It's not that you'll want to go out and sin more, do bad more, it's that you want Jesus more. Mm-hmm. And that's the work of the Spirit. He sheds abroad the love of Christ. And it, it's it's hard. Got so many thoughts, but I don't. I'm, I'm, I'm being recorded. So. I just think that um, as people, we have a hard time trusting. We have a hard time trusting others. We have a hard time trusting Jesus, the Spirit. You know, we just have a hard time trusting, and. Um, We, we need to rely more on the Spirit because He's what builds those things in us anyway. I mean, it took, I think about, okay, you got Peter and Paul. Like Paul says, I oppose Peter to his face. Mm-hmm. He's like, I had to get up in the old boy's face because he was being a bigot. You know, and he was being a hypocrite. But the change happened in Peter when the Holy Spirit did it. Yeah. When the scroll was rolled out and and the Holy Spirit resonates with his heart and the Holy Spirit speaks the voice of Christ and says, don't call unclean what I've called clean. You know, it wasn't the voice, it wasn't the voice of Paul that, that got him going straight. It was It was the voice of the Holy Spirit. And now it probably resonated, and he heard that voice, and he heard Paul's voice, rec- you know, echo, and he, all of that. But, but that's where Jesus is not going to leave you in that dangerous place. And he, I mean, even in that, he's guiding. He was guiding. He was guiding Peter into how to love his neighbor as himself, mm-hmm. and he was identifying who that neighbor was. Well, and he, he talks about John 16 in here, you know, when Jesus leaves and he says, I'm leaving, but it's it's important that I go so that the helper can come. And he says the implication there is that 
something was wrong that needed to be rectified. Therefore, the Spirit had to come to rectify that wrong. Like, Jesus wasn't like, peace out, I'm going to leave you guys to it. Hope you do a good job. Like, there was another job, so another person coming to do the rest of that job. He, Jesus was there for salvation, and now for the, the rest of the job, for what the church needed to do, for the discipleship, for all of those things, like the Spirit is there. So Jesus implies the importance of the Spirit, and we tend to kind of skip over that when we don't trust. But we forget, like, Jesus was like, hey, this guy can comfort you more than I can. Like, he can do what I can't in my bodily person. So he's necessary. So he didn't say, hey, I'm going to go on sabbatical, but that's okay. I've hired a discipleship pastor. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> but, I mean, you think about what we do. You think about what we do. I mean, that, that title itself, the... I'm sorry to so many people, but the the audacity of that that title, discipleship pastor. Yeah. So you got the one person that that's their job. At what point does he leave that as an option for any of the rest of them? <laughs> like literally, that's the thing he's hold for all of his followers. All of them. Mm-hmm. And and what we mean by that? Now I understand the title. I mean I, I'm I'm being facetious, but but not really. Um, is back to the the paid professional thing of we've got to have a structured, planned, organized something that we can have metrics to prove that justifies our existence as an organization that we are taking people through a process that's all cookie cut for every dang one of them even though some of them grew up both parents still together in a white suburb with great jobs and great household along with the meth addict who's raped by her dad and before he left and we're going to take them through the same program. Bullshit. Like, no. And that's, the Holy Spirit trumps all that crap. Mm-hmm. Now, can the Holy Spirit work in the middle of, man, I'm getting frustrated. Um, can the Holy Spirit work in the middle of a program? Sure. But I think sometimes the program is the emphasis, not trusting the Holy Spirit. You know, like, and I've been as guilty as anybody else on that and trying to figure it out and trying to do it rightly. And I trust the heart of the, the people who that do hire those. But then, I might need to shut up, but then we say that only certain people can be the voice of that spirit. That it 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 can. I don't know. It's, We've talked about it before. We've talked about it before in this podcast because I remember saying a while back, it's just like um, 
the people, the Israelites, wanted a king. They needed a king. We need somebody to lead us. We need somebody to guide us. But why? But why do you need a man when you have... And they didn't have the Holy Spirit. Now we have the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's that whole thing of... And God just said, you got me. Yeah. But Why am okay. I not enough? But we are also told to gather. Okay. Yes. Like, people are also involved. So it's not a be on your own and the spirit is enough. Like, there, there's an, like, a layer of accountability too there because we see the disciples holding each other accountable. We see them bringing in people. Like, there, there is some level of organization Oh yeah, and you and you have to have the community side of it to where you hear different voices mm-hmm. saying, "This is what I hear the Spirit saying," mm-hmm. and and within that, balancing that out with Scripture, those that are trained to be able to do that, like that's truly the the role of the to me the role of the the pastor is is to hold that out there. And then as, as people, as the congregation is out living this out every day, they're able to talk to each other and hang out with each other and and they have a foundation of tools. They have, they have a toolbox to where they can talk about what they're hearing from the Spirit and work that through the truth of the Word. My point of, of certain voices is I know in mine and in Jeanette working together through ministry all those years, she has always been more sensitive to the spirit than me. And and quicker to hear. And I think that happens a lot with with male female. Like that there seems to be an openness to that. I, I don't know if it's the relational drive that that is somewhat there or I mean I don't want to I don't want to cookie cut but but I'm cookie cutting and but to do that and then say within our churches that we're just going to let their voices be there for the kids and even with that it's like you just use the curriculum and I struggle I struggle hard with that with with churches because I think I think some of the greatest voices that we have out there are getting squelched. And and as you know, we're in a different place in our life and we aren't exactly sure where we are or what we're doing or what we believe anymore because we've just kind of made some major moves. And so, you know, and I admittedly say I don't currently see the need for church organization, the church organization, like I used to. Um, so, you know, we're working through all those thoughts and feelings. I've been working through that for a while, though. Yeah, yeah, Thanks. but we haven't come to any real conclusions. So the last denomination I was in 
and I was getting into their, their certification, and they're a more liberal vein, um, but they knew that the church I was at a little bit before that was a certain denomination that that holds that you know minister ministers are men, and and so as I was being interviewed to get into that, that was one of the things that they assumed, as you know, well my 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 training is through uh, SBC, so they their the assumption is that I see that that same way. And one of the guys asked me, it's like, okay, so if you're in church and you go into a church and there's a uh, a woman preaching, what do you do? It's like take notes. <laughs> and he just looked at me shocked and he's like, that's a great answer. It's like it's true because <laughs> I don't see, you know, I don't I don't see why that's an issue like that. Well, why would that be a problem? And that's what I'm talking about in that is is when we get into some of those structures, it's we're giving that voice to very few people. And, and we're giving, not even the fact that, because, you know, I, I, I do, again, trust leadership in, in that they want, they want the best for people. I think I, Keller, when I was listening, listening to him, uh, I think today or yesterday, but he was, he was just talking about early on, you know, his, his motivation was one thing, but then he, he learned, he's like, really, I just want to help people. I just want to help them in their faith. And so I believe that, I believe that for most, I, I, for most ministers, no matter the denomination, I really do believe that's what it is at the core. Things may get skewed along the way, but, but in that we, we just we just lose out on some really good voices and, and hold back some really good voices. And I see who Jesus really spoke to a lot and called out to the forefront a lot in the midst of things. Um, if it wasn't for the voice of, of the women then, it, it'd be totally different. I don't know how I got there from oh, yeah. Holy Spirit, but... <laughs> Well, I, I I just trust the spirit in everybody. That, I think that's really what got me there. Is just the thinking about that, trusting the spirit in everybody, in every role. And but is there any way to realistically do that once you hit a certain number of people in one place? Is is like well, and that's the struggle <laughs> of what does church look like? Yeah. Um, because we're talking about a temple model. Yeah. I um. That's 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 an American thing. It's an American thing, or a Euro thing. I mean, it's but anywhere else in the world, they don't get that big, right? They 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 assume when they start getting that big, then the the governing bodies will shut them down because they become a threat to the they become the threat to the society because they start changing things. But in in America, yeah, we got big old temples all over the place. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the three-mile drive from here to where I was today, I passed six. And Yeah, but even uh, getting away from, like, a group of 30 people. 
Oh, someone got... has to be accountable for those 30 people. Like you, There's got to be someone you can point at and say, they're accountable for this. Yeah. Oh, and there's a, there's a, there's a president, and they're, you know, First Peter. That's what it talks about. Mm-hmm. But also, First Peter... When you when you read through that, I mean that's you know you get to First Peter five. That's it is the qualifications for a pastor, you know, for an elder, mm-hmm. and and what what the role of the job is. And but in the context of that book, you're talking about a, a group of people who were um, heavily um, under um, persecution. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a church of Asia Minor, and and so they were they were they didn't have a big temple, like they were just meeting in little groups here and there, mm-hmm. and they were just trying to survive with their faith, and yeah, it's which it's going to look different here. It, yeah. It's going to look a lot different because we are a society that I'm not going to use the word Christian nation, but we have. The rest of the world looks at our nation and assumes. Yeah. They they look at the United States and go, okay, you guys, that's that's who you are, mm-hmm. you know, at, at, as a as a society. But so I, I I mean I get that in it, but I guess we're you know back to the the Holy Spirit talk. We're at the place now that and. We don't need him. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't need him to tell us, talk to us in our lives because we've got all kinds of other voices, and we've got we've got the organization, and we've got we've got the structure built to where it tells us what to think. Because again, you tell me what church you go to, and I will tell you what you think. I think too. Like I don't know that. I mean, I guess all of it somehow comes back to the organization, but some of it's just a faulty understanding. Like the the church that I grew up in, that you guys were in leadership at. Like one of my earliest memories from children's church was someone teaching me that the fruits of the spirit were my responsibility. I needed to be patient. I needed to be kind. I needed to show love. I needed to have joy. It was a checklist of behaviors, not a change that was brought about by the spirit. So it, some of it is just not understanding what the spirit's role is less than I don't need him because I've got other voices, but just not knowing that you need him, like not knowing what you need him for. Mm-hmm. Like when's the last time you was in church and somebody asked you, what's the Spirit saying to you? I think it's phrased as what's God doing in your life. What's God <laughs> doing in I think that's what they mean, life. but we don't phrase it with the Spirit in the forefront. And even in that, I think, you know, okay, you can go, what's God doing in your life? Is that a certain, like, if you just, if you walked in and, you know, somebody asked you, what, what, what's God doing in your life? Um, he's making me kill kittens less. That's my answer. Last week, I killed 32. This week, he stopped me. 
I was, I was at 30 and you know, now, now I've stopped killing, stopped killing. Wasn't that I have a lack of kittens. There was more, <laughs> you know, and, and they're sitting there thinking of like, well, I'm reading my Bible more today, but mm-hmm. you're like, you know, and, and, but the Holy Spirit gets down in the deep, dark recesses and, and talks about the really, I will today, I we were, you know, we, I went to church today and, uh, did communion and you have that point where you're just sitting there reflecting and letting the spirit, I mean, that literally every time I do communion, that's what I, that's the thing I pray is like, it's like Holy Spirit, show me. And, uh, actually, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things, the thing, the thing that I got dealt with today was a few rows up on the left was the family of a person from our last church that I got a lot of issue with. And Holy Spirit, I mean, just was like <laughs> pointing. There you go. Yeah. I'm like, no. No, we had a conversation. I was like, mm <laughs> I like being angry. I am I am at this point to where I've got unforgiveness in this and then he's I mean, he's just bringing things to me and and saying, you know, like that well, if you've got ought against anybody, then lay your sacrifice down and go deal with it. And like, nope, don't want to right now. <laughs> I, I, you know, I feel justified in my anger. And he wouldn't let me get away with it. And so, like, I was having that wrestling match. And and honestly, as I was, because I, you know, we were, we was getting ready to go up and, and I kind of had, I had that stuff going on, always going around to get our stuff. And, and he, you know, they're still kind of talking through some things. And I was like, I was like, there's, there's some people in here. And I, this sounds judgmental, if not, but it probably is. But, you know, people were like, yeah, I said a cuss word yesterday. <laughs> like, oh, I effing did too. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm like, the thing that I'm, it's, it, dealing with is getting down deep in my soul mm-hmm. that's the holy spirit like the holy spirit is getting to a place that i didn't want to go and i still don't want to go and i'm you know we're going to fight that out i'll get a bruised hip and walk with a limp whatever but that's the role of the holy spirit and there's you know within within the church there's people who have gone through this similar things or, or, you know, something that could, could relate. And, and I can talk to them and say, you know, like, here's what I feel like the Holy Spirit was telling me during that time. And here's where I'm at. Like, yep, you can throw all the facts you want. I know the facts. I know what the Bible says. I know what you're going to tell me. I know I don't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it when the Holy Spirit was telling it to me. And, but he's patient and he's going to work through that and keep bringing it and heal something even deeper that's keeping that hanging on, whether it's ego or whether, whatever it is. But I've got a lot of other stuff in my life that's symptomatic of that. And he knows it. And he's like, I'm not going to worry about you cuss yesterday because 
that's symptomatic of actually it was actually on the way i was on a on road doing 65 and got stuck behind 10 cars the one in the front doing 40. <laughs> trust me i needed communion today after that drive and but that's that's the holy spirit mm-hmm. and that's hard to do the temple can't do that right it can't If you are not familiar with Gentle and Lowly, this chapter does not go that deep. <laughs> it's very short. It's a very short chapter. Uh, it is summed up in the, the Holy Spirit takes your intellectual knowledge of the heart of Christ and makes it an experiential knowledge. Yep. That was the whole chapter. Because even, even Ortberg, which I didn't even put his name together with. Ortland. Or Ortland. Um, I didn't put his name together with who his dad was. Yeah. I never even thought about it. But. Yeah. But I think there's a low view in this, too. Yeah. It's pretty glossed over. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is the Spirit helps you know the heart of Christ. Yeah. That, and that's, that's the whole chapter. Yeah. It's just different ways of saying that. All right. Any other thoughts about chapter 13? No. <laughs> chapter 14 is, so that chapter was about the Spirit. Chapter 14 and I think chapter 15 for next time is about the Father. So, um, it it opens, chapter 14 opens with um, a Tozer quote. I was about to say, have we talked about Tozer before in this? I don't think so. Is that another one that's grown in? Tozer's more modern than what he's been talking about. Like, yeah. He's not a Puritan, he's wrote in the 60s. But I haven't read that book. Yeah, but it he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Which I thought it was interesting. Y'all two got to talk. <laughs> but, so, thoughts about God the Father? I don't know. This chapter, I think, made me realize I need to study more into the Trinity. Uh-huh. I just think there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. It's a hard subject. Yeah. But when he has the phrase classic mainstream Protestant atonement theology um, (laughs) makes me just think of talking to metal fans because metal fans are notoriously bad about creating subgenres. So it makes me think of technical brutal death metal. (laughs) Yeah. What do you read? Classic mainstream Protestant atonement theology. Say that last word again. Theology. Not the one before that. Atonement? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just thought that was fun. (laughs) He then uses pop culture references to avoid talking about his real feelings. He does. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I... The one thing that sticks out to me about this chapter is where it talks about, I mean, he's explaining how the father didn't doesn't need more persuading than the son. Mm-hmm. You know, basically they they have the same 
feelings uh, towards us. You know, love and grace, mercy. And one thing, I can't find where it is, what page it's on. There it is. Um, it says he's the father of mercies. Mm -hmm. And he kind of goes through a different way, but, you know, if we think about it, God created everything. So he is the creator of compassion and mercy and forgiveness and all of those things that we desire from him. He would not have created them had he not wanted to give them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's unfair of us to make him the ultimate judge in our mind. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's up there with a gavel, just guilty, guilty. Judgy. Yeah. Because he created all of those things. He created us. He created, you know, he is the creator of all things. Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting that he pointed out that, you know, we think of Old Testament God, New Testament Jesus, like God is wrath and Jesus is grace. And it's just really easy to separate it that way. But God ordained the way of the grace. Like he ordained the way of salvation. Jesus accomplished it. But it was, like, it's the Father's idea. Yeah. He sent the Son, you know. And it's, both of those show the mercy. Yes. I wrote in the margins, I said, we, we see God as, quote, I'm so disappointed. Yeah. Like, maybe not as the vengeful, you know, smiter. But we see him as looking at us with, Disappointment in his face saying, you had so much potential. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Yeah, like the one, the one time my dad said that to me, you know, <laughs> when I said, I'm pregnant. And he said, I thought you were the one. The smart one. Was it? Yeah. I thought, I thought you were the one, the smart one, who was going to make something of themselves. And once you hear that from an authority figure like that, you kind of just blanket that reaction to other authority figures in your life. And um, so I have a tendency to feel that way towards God. Like he's just given me that look of, I thought you were the one. Mm -hmm. I thought we had this one, you know. <laughs> thought we were over that but it's it's not that's not how he's looking at me mm -hmm. I think you said that better than this entire chapter <laughs> <laughs> thank you because <laughs> you didn't say classic mainstream Protestant yeah. theology. or all these other huge words that I had to click on so I could find out the um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, out of all these, the the three chapters that we went through, we cannot, we just cannot separate the three. 
they are one. Mm-hmm. You know, they are one. They work together. They speak together with the same voice. We can't individualize and make them different personalities and different character traits. They are all one. Mm-hmm. That's what I got out of that. That's what I think. I think towards the end of the chapter, it's usually the statement I use when I'm like, let's wrap this up. <laughs> well, I just I just know the last sen- the last two sentences of the chapter. The heart of Christ is gentle and lowly, and that is a perfect picture of who the Father is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. I mean, he talks about Jesus says, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Like, he tells the disciples that. Yeah. You've yeah. seen him. Yeah, he has the exact imprint of his nature. So, seeing Jesus as the friend of sinners means God is. Yeah. Think about... Dad met some of our friends at church today. He came to lunch with us after. And um, we've got a friend that he knows their dad. And he said he knew who they were as soon as he walked in because her face is her dad's face. Absolutely. And he was like, I know who you are because I, I spend a lot of time with that face. And I think it's the same thing. Like, we see Jesus. We see God. Like, I've, I've seen that face before. And that's our hope. Yeah. That's our hope for other people is that when I spend time with you, I feel like I've spent time with God, mm-hmm. you know. They'll know we are Christians by our love. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, it sounds so cliche, but it is what it is, yeah. you know. He's trying to make us gentle and lowly. Yeah. Well, and and when you know that that when you have that security that him being the friend of sinners, when you're in the worst shape possible, he still has that view towards you. And, you know, now now that you've become sons and daughters, how much more? I mean, that's what the, you know, that's what the Bible tells us in, in Ephesians, yeah. is that he lavishes loves upon us. And he, I mean, that, that, that should give you a confidence to, to live. Like, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a flip on the head of what we had before of, of, I mean, really, the idea of just trying to earn it. And trying, like I'm trying to be a good person because I want God to see me as a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what we were. It's like I, I, I can't, I can't go to church. I'm, I'm a mess, and I just want God to see me as a good person. And I don't want Him to look at me with disappointment when looking at me. I don't want Him to look at me and say, "You could have been so much more," mm-hmm. or "I thought you were the smart one." You know, like He does look at me that way and says, "You are." Like that's who I see you as, and. And yeah, you're a kid. You're growing up, and I see you doing kid things, but you're my kid. And and he's. I think it used the word uh, pursuing. Uh, pursuing grace, not grace. Anyway, now I got to remember exactly how he put it because I don't know. that was one of my underlines. Pursuing gentleness, mm-hmm. like he. He wants to find every way possible to show that gentleness towards you. And and even when you feel like in yourself, like I'm not living up to what I could be, he's like, I'll oh, just come on. Come on. 
you got this. Let's, you're gonna, you're gonna be. We all right. got this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he ends the chapter with it's a quote, but he says, um, "Your father is much more tender of you than you are or can be of yourself." And the gentleness he oh, treats yeah. us with, like we aren't capable of treating ourselves with that kind of gentleness, mm-hmm. but he feels it to us. Yeah, yeah. If we see. And that's probably a healthy place to be. Is like if we see ourselves the way he sees us. That one of the things um, I, we're, I'm I'm with Keller like this guy was that good with Goodwin, but <laughs> uh, that podcast where he's talking about well the Q and A from Identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he Keller was, went through and talked about just just identity all the way around, not just identity in Christ, but like how we get our identity. What, what our sources of identity are um, and somebody said you know with a great question they they asked does does God really love us or does he love Jesus right does and he love only love us because Jesus because is of in Jesus. us yeah and and Keller's answer was awesome of course you know but he he said Jesus came because he loved us mm-hmm <laughs> Such a simple phrase, but man, that's huge. That is absolutely huge. You know, like that for God so, and that's what he quoted John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he sent. It wasn't he loved us because he sent. Mm-hmm. He sent because he loved. Mm-hmm. Like, and and so loved so much that he sacrificed Jesus. That's it's pretty incredible. It really is. And again, back to that thing that that it gives you that confidence of I'm gonna screw it up, but it's okay. That yes, I'm for, positionally I'm I'm forgiven, but not even in that. Not just that he he sees me through the lens of love, and also he didn't just leave me to myself in that. He sent the Holy Spirit to come and walk along as a teacher and a counselor that's there every day, helping me realize that love every day mm-hmm. and feel that love every day, as much as I critique that, that phrase, but <laughs> to feel that love every day and and realize that the mercies are new every morning. Chapter 15 goes with chapter 14, by the way. It does. It's like I think a it's continuation. Gonna, think, yeah, mm. so I think we're going to probably be a little redundant next week. But. Okay. How do you say atonement? You said it weird. Oh. <laughs> when you said it. It just came out weird because you Adam, said you, so you many. Were like, you were like adamant or something oh, like you that. Said you said so know. many multi-syllabic words. Yeah. Yeah. Up yeah, to it. yeah. <laughs> and it just came out funny. I was like, I want to hear you say it again. Atonement. <laughs> say it again. Atonement? <laughs> Kira Knightley and what's-his-face? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 James McAvoy. James McAvoy. Atonement. Atonement. The Academy Award winning movie. <laughs> Did it? Yes. Again, pop culture references. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> Maybe Ethan and I need to do a podcast alone where we just delve yeah. deep where into the silence. Where you sit and say, this is stupid. I don't want to read it anymore. No, oh, we, we just get wouldn't into do the podcast. Deep, dark insides of Ethan. 
without and on any, that note. On that weird <laughs> thing. Without yeah, any pulp I would need culture. That, I would need that podcast to be without any of you three. And it wouldn't happen. And it wouldn't be recorded. <laughs> okay, so see okay. you next week for see something to be determined. For something, yeah, I don't know. Completely unrelated. Yeah. yeah. Yep, and then after that we'll be doing chapters 15, 16, and 17. Yes. Yep. Woot, woot. <laughs>